This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Back on the Pirate Ship sports business podcast, The Sportacast. Erica is smiling, so that's going to lead me to indicate she enjoyed Erica. Novi Novi has been known from time to time to really stumble with the intro. I ask him to come up with something. <laughs> Sometimes he prepares. He, I will say more often than not, he brings good energy, but the creativity is very low. I, I do it like a figure skater, degree of difficulty, artistic impression. So his degree of difficulty is usually very low, but he tries on the artistic impression. No, so Erica no airs. Axles. Uh, yeah, exactly. He's not doing the double flip layout that Simone Biles just tried and laid yeah. it out. You know. So Erica Ayers, CEO of Barstool Sports, please grade Eben Novi Williams' introduction of this show. Oh, I would give Evan like a 7-4. Yes. Right. I, see, now, Evan. We'll take it. No, 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 no. What, what do you mean? Is that You're a CEO, Erica. Are you happy with an employee that says 7-4 and he says, I'll take it? He was very happy with that 7-4. I'm seven. very happy Yeah, with what four. is that business? No, you should consistently be in the nines between I, – because I know what your, your, your abilities are. I know what you can do, Evan. And to settle for 7-4 on a consistent basement troubles me. Okay, I will strive for I will strive for more <laughs> next time. All right, get to it, Novi. I know you want to do this. Go ahead. Well, get yeah, no, Eric. I'm glad. I'm excited to have you on the show. I thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a pretty hectic last couple of weeks. Well, tell the uh, world we were supposed <laughs> to have her on before. <laughs> I know. We, Never we, a dull minute over here. We had. We were originally going to have you on. I think literally the day we were going to record of. the day yeah. that uh, the the Barstool Penn National ESPN uh, news came down. Mm-hmm. Uh, for folks who have not uh, who have not noticed or seen or read about it um the barstool sports book is no more uh, the penn national uh signed a big two billion dollar deal with espn uh barstool is back in private hands sold back to founder dave portnoy uh, i mentioned up there the back to the pirate ship that seemed to be the way that that he wanted to frame things um in his mind and i want to get your thoughts in his mind Barstool is back, kind of unencumbered from a heavily regulated area, no longer part of a publicly traded company. Um, in your mind, what, what, is, what does this mean uh, for, for, for you personally and then also for Barstool? Yeah, it's a lot. I mean, it's, you know, I've been here almost eight years. Um, and to sell a company and then buy the company back and, you know, everything in between is a lot. Um, you know, I think we're excited about the Barstool brand and the mission and all of the IP we've created and all of the talent that are here. I think, you know, there's something very different about this company. There's something very different about 
the alchemy of what we've created. And there's, you know, I, I think there's something, whether you love Barstool or hate Barstool, there's something either weird or entertaining about this story. Like only at Barstool would we sell to Penn National and then three months later buy the company back. Like it's bananas. It just doesn't happen. Um, I think it will mean changes here for sure. You know, we need to get skinny. We had the backing of a public company for, you know, three and a half years. Um, we haven't been independent since I joined. So since 2015, Barstool was, you know, owned by Dave in 20, 2015. The chairman group came in. I came in. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot that has to manifest with that. But I I think the thing that is really great is that Barstool will, in a lot of ways, go back to what made Barstool so great to begin with, which is the relationship that our talent has with their fans and the content that we're making. I think one of the biggest challenges and learning of the last three and a half years is just the contortion, you know, and the 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 convulsions we were going through to fit in a publicly traded, highly, highly regulated business. Can, can you give an example of, of a of a way in which oh, those two things yeah, what, kind can, of... Well, can me say when your phone rang? Your phone rang and somebody said to you, Erica, really? Oh, I mean, daily. <laughs> <laughs> when didn't my phone ring with that? But, you know, look, I give Penn a lot of credit for, you know, obviously putting the investment in Barstool, um, for having the foresight to think about needing a big brand for their sports book. So I give Penn a ton of credit for that. I also give Penn a ton of credit for trying to take a pirate ship and make it work in an environment that's really dictated and predicated on state regulators and state regulations. So, you know, for us, it was everything from we had a video go viral. Is that too controversial? Would that upset stakeholders, whether those state work stakeholders were inside of Penn, they were on the regulatory side, they were on the shareholder side, like there was a, Penn has a lot of considerations, they're a very big business. Um, but it, after a while, it, it kind of changes who you are and what you do when you're so worried about who you're going to offend. I think one of the things that always made Barstool great, I can remember going on Bloomberg or something like a hundred years ago. You probably did that with us. Yeah, it might have been I us. think I yeah. did do it with you. <laughs> it us. And um, the cron was like, Barstool's offended just about everybody, um, which I saved. It's the only cron I've ever <laughs> that seen. Sound, that sounds like a Chiron at Bloomberg. That it sounds does, about right. right? Yeah. So, but that's when you have a company that's offending everyone and stakeholders well, that your parent company doesn't want to offend. It's can, can I ask you this then, Erica? Was this not, and, and, I, and I do not pretend to be a sage. However, was this not predictable? Like when this was announced, I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. <laughs> this is just the corporate structure, and you said particularly one, and in, in where you need licenses. Mm -hmm. Like I, this, the, what I get on Barstool just doesn't seem to jive with what this company is as a publicly traded. Yeah, company. I think we made a really good run at it, Scott. Good, good try, good try. Like, yeah. I, I we gave it the college try for sure. Um, I do think, you know, I do think it was in some ways very predictable. It was always a question. It was always a question for Penn. Um, it was always a question for us. And, you know, in that regard, I think the, the ESPN partnership is a great one. It's two publicly traded, massive, massive companies institutionalized in sports and sport, you know, casino. 
Um, so in that case, it's a much better marriage than than the idea of taking something like Barstool and making it, you know, it's kind of like when we tried to mainstream in the first place. Like after a while, you know, at least in my tenure here, I was like, we're never going to mainstream. So we became mainstream. Uh, we, ma- you know, we became the mainstream without changing. And I think this is another one of those moments. Where was this whole thing in its life cycle in the arc when... The guy got fired. I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where was the whole deal in, in the life cycle? Because I, I remember seeing that happen. And I remember seeing Dave taking flack from the core customer going, and, and I don't know Dave at all, but I'm like, this has got to cut him to the core. Yeah. And I said, something's going to give. And I didn't know this, obviously, I didn't know this was happening, but I said, something has got to give because this for sure bothers the heck out of him. Yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to say where it was in the process. A lot has transpired, I would say, over the last couple of weeks and months. Um, what I would say, though, about the Mincy incident is really, like, if you take a step back, look, from our vantage point, we had an employee who messed up. We have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees who have messed up. Some have been fired. Some have been reprimanded. Some have been suspended. Some have been defended. Like, We've had the whole gamut. Um, I think what's very uncomfortable for other companies about Barstool is how much of it's not just what's happening, it's how everyone feels about what's happening, which makes Barstool Barstool. Now, that works insanely well for our advertising partners because there's such high engagement and interest, you know, and an on air talent making a slip. And getting fired for it in another country in another company is like one headline here it's five days on twitter and it's constant um i would say the other piece of it if i put myself in penn's shoes is look penn's a really big company and when you look at the revenue we drive versus the headaches we create <laughs> it's a little bit outside. Probably an inverse relationship, yeah, revenue to headache. Exactly. So, you know, that's never a good place to be in, I would say, is when you're the headaches you drive. You know, people say it right now about Warner and Zaslav versus CNN. Like, how much of Warner Discovery, how much revenue is driven by CNN versus headaches from CNN? I, w- I went to college with Chris Lick. Just a little added value there. How was that? Um, it was fine. Chris was a nice fellow, you know. He doesn't, I know he hasn't like told anybody, you know, Sashnik can't do that shit. I haven't heard that out of him. No, but he didn't care what I can do and can't do. I know that much. Well, good for you. <laughs> Erica, I had heard that the, that the, the talks between uh, Penn and Barstool about the separation took place over two weeks, which seems very short to me. I, I'm curious what that, what that looked like from your end. Did they come to you and say, hey, we're thinking about this. What do you think about that? How did that play out in, over those yeah. two weeks? I can't really talk about that. I, I don't know if it was precisely two weeks. It, it was it was very swift. I would I would say it's very swift. Um, obviously, there's stuff we can't get into in terms of how that transpired and whatnot. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing is I think this is a new era in a lot of ways for Barstool, and it's a you know it'll be really interesting to see what happens. With ESPN, you hear about ESPN and Amazon. You now have the ESPN tie-up with Penn. Like, I also think that's interesting, probably the most interesting thing that's happening in the sports betting space. I've heard I'm I'm curious for your thoughts of what's going to happen there. I mean, you've learned something about sort of brand-loyal constituency and whether or not they will 
um, they will be patrons of a particular you know, sports betting brand because it's attached to something. Uh, what, what about the power of ESPN? And the, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, to me, I'm a casual. I would think I'm, I'm target customer. I'm yep. a casual better. I'm just a fan, whatever. But I'm brand agnostic. I'm going where I get the best deal. I'm just thinking, right. what, what have you learned from being in the business? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people are like you, not in life, Scott, but in this regard where, you know, look, if you're a casual better, you probably have, I don't know, one to four betting apps on your phone. If you feel like betting, you will. You're going to look at the odds. You're going to look at the boost. You're going to look at the bonus. And you're going to make a decision, right? Like, it's a very transactional and, you know, there is a switching cost, but there isn't a switching cost the same way you think about a cell phone plan or the same way you think about your miles points and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know what will happen. It's interesting. One of the interesting things that I felt when this happened was I think Fox Bet kind of shut down all the same yeah. week. Like, yep. So in the same week, Fox Bet is dead. ESPN Penn is alive. Barstool's out on, out on its own. <laughs> Um, which is kind of a seismic week. Um, so I think there's a couple of questions, which is one, you know, look, people like McAfee or Stephen A or SVP, like they've got massive talent at ESPN who can get people to love things and do things and engage with things. Two is, you know, I don't know that Fox Bet cracked it, but is there going to be a way where live sports and live sports commentary can is there something that ESPN can do that Fox didn't? That I don't know. Um, and then I tend to gr agree with you, Scott, overall, which is for this particular audience, you're either looking for something. In our case, we were betting on making people laugh or making people engaged, or you wanted the overs club jacket because you wanted to be in the overs club with Dave Portnoy and Dan Katz. Like, or you're just getting a great deal, or you're just getting, you know, there's so much advertising, there's so much tonnage that you're, it's hammering you over the head and you're like, sure, I'll just try it. So I don't know. Does this, does well, they this... don't know either, but I'm, let, let's find out. That, that's the beauty. We'll find out. Yeah, that's like, you'll find out, you know, I'm assuming this fall. I, I would imagine before the, the Penn deal affiliate marketing was it in the sports betting space was, was pretty big for you guys. Does this for you up to go back to that where, where you're still at least sharing in some economics of getting people towards gambling sites? Yeah, look, like I think we'll be a juggernaut for, you know, whatever we decide to do next and whomever we we do it with, I, you know, I think we'll convert, you know, second to none, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's some time before we get to that. But, you know, what we always did that was very different is one, it's a, at this point, it's a 20 year story. We just had our 20th anniversary, Barstool did. So it's a 20 year story that you're buying into. Two, I would argue, I think we're funnier and weirder and more original about how we think about sports betting and what we do around sports betting. And that will be something that we continue to think about and explore. Um, and then three, I think the great thing in being independent, you know, use this example, you know, Big Cat has the can't lose parlay. Like that's not allowed when yeah. you're part of a gambling company. Now, it's satire. So like <laughs> satire is fairly key to what we do. So I think what you'll see is, 
you know, we'll lean on what we know how to do best, which is to make audio content, video content, social content, content that entertains people, makes people laugh, that's culturally relevant, um, that gets people talking on the internet. And we'll bring all sorts of brands and products into that. And, you know, as we've done for the last, you know, 10 years. So, so you said at the beginning that, that the, the new barstool may look a little bit leaner. I heard Dave Portnoy on, on Spit and Chicklets earlier this week say that the company's losing about a million dollars a month, so a little over $10 million a year. What is the business priority right now? How do you think about getting this, getting barstool back to either even or, or profitable relatively quickly? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a couple of things with it. Um, Dave's on Barstool Radio, like, as this is recording, just, like, ranting about people. So, um, <laughs> Who's he ranting about? <laughs> anything. Uh, everything. Uh, everything. Yeah, everything and everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I think there's a couple things. One is it's been, it's been three and a half years since we've had a very, very active investor. Um, we took on a lot of costs. There's a lot of thinking done when Penn invested in us and then acquired us about what costs belong with Barstool versus what costs belong belonged inside of Penn. We will we don't need to carry those costs going forward. So there were things that we did or ways that we hired or places where we staffed to fit into a big, public, highly regulated company, which we don't need to continue to do. Um, I think the second thing, which was, you know, always from the beginning of Barstool is we were always really, really mindful of money. Like what's made Barstool so interesting is we had such incredible growth. I think we had 3,000% growth profitably. Like profitable growth is something that this company knows how to do. We didn't need to think about that the last couple of years because we were thinking about growing a sports book. We were thinking about integrating into a bigger company. So the changes that I think you'll see are going to be hard for us because it's, you know, it's getting leaner. It's getting more focused. It's getting more disciplined. Um, one of the things we did to grow so much over the last eight years is to incubate a ton of things and see what worked. And now we need to be a little bit more judicious about what are we green lighting and what are we not? So I think people who have been here for a long time will get this and fall right into it. I think, you know, we've hired about 100 people a year for the last three years. So there's a lot of people who never knew, and a lot, a lot, like there's a lot of people here who never knew life before Penn, um, which this may not be their bag, you know? They wear khakis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, is that too easy? <laughs> I like my tagline, though, Barstool, the new Barstool, undisciplined disciplined. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I, I like it. Let me, let me just philosophically, yeah. it's something we say around here, uh, Eric, I'm curious if you agree with it. You don't cut your way to greatness. Yeah. You agree with that? And just sort of how does that apply to Barstool? I 100% agree with that. Um, two is... You don't cut your way to greatness, but you also can't change. It's hard to change without action. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, that's how I would think about it. Like, I, I think the companies that are looking at a quarter to quarter basis and they're like, OK, we're going to move these shells over here and move them over there. or We're going to cut so that our revenue looks better. Or really, our margin looks better. 
Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't think that's really what we're doing. What we're doing is saying, hey, we're on our own. You know, I spent last week opening bank accounts. Like, it's like, we're back. Like, um, I can remember going to the bank on 27th Street in January of 20, you know, or not January, probably it was April of 2016. Like, I'm back at the bank on 27th Street. So it's yep. like, we're... How- how many people can cut the checks? How many? How many people signature not get many. it done? Not many. Yep. Probably two. Two. I was <laughs> going to say about two. Right. Two. Um, so w- I think th- what we're thinking about and look like I don't want to joke about it. It sucks to cut people. It sucks to get small. It sucks. You know, change is really hard. Um, but this is about hey, if this thing is going to last another twenty years, it we're not going to last in this in this shape that we're in now. One of the things I think that I've been really impressed, and I think you guys have done really well, is on the consumer product side. You guys have tried with your own brand and with the brands of some of your podcasts or shows, for example, things like the One Bite Pizza or the yeah. Pink Whitney. And, and I think some of those have done really well. And correct me if I'm wrong, I imagine some of them have, have maybe not done so well. Is that an area that you do more of or less of in this new era of being a little bit more judicious about what kind of projects you take on? Oh, I think we do. We've had some great success. Pink Whitney was a great success, right? Like I'm working on another project with Gallo who, you know, created Pink Whitney with us right now. Um, And Pink Whitney, for folks who don't know, is a lemonade flavored vodka done with New Amsterdam, which has been a longtime partner of of Barstools. And that that came through the Spit and Chicklets podcast. I'm curious, to the extent that you can share, what is the economics of of a Pink Whitney for the people involved, the brands involved? What what does that actually mean for you guys financially? It's material. I mean, you know, for us, Pink Gallo and New Amsterdam were great partners for a couple of reasons. One, they have an exceptional sales force. And two, they have a lot of distribution. And one of the things that's important for us because we've gotten so big is when we launch a new brand or a new product, people need to be able to find it. Because when we start to blast it on the internet, people, unlike a lot of other companies, are going to go out and look for it, right? What about scarcity value? <laughs> my, my, my son wanted Prime his, all the kids in, in, his, in his school wanted Prime. Nobody could find it. It was like the Willy Wonka golden ticket when a kid showed up at lunch with Prime. Uh, which is what happened to us when we launched Pink Whitney. You couldn't get it, um, which was the best marketing on yeah. the It was amazing. Um, but then after a while, you have to sell the product. <laughs> then you, then you got to deliver some of this. Then you got to deliver some. So, um, you know, for us, the things I don't I don't think it's a problem for people to struggle to try to find stuff, but it also can be really frustrating, right? Like when we launched One Bite in Walmart, Walmart wasn't used to people calling individual stores looking for individual SKUs. Like that doesn't really happen at Walmart, so that created a huge kerfuffle of like people are going to Walmart's and then they're pissed that the pizza isn't there. So that kind of is par for the course with us. I think to your question, Evan, like we will do more of those partnerships where they make sense. I think what we've, we have had a lot of failures in the last eight years on that, but I think we have a pretty good handle on when and why things fail. Um, you know, which hopefully will, you know, not continue to repeat. I love it. Bringing up Gallo, like my, my old friends, Ernest and Julio. I think, I think, 
Eben may be too young for the reference. Like, yeah. But uh, you probably know Bartles and James. Definitely. Eben, you? Bartles and James? Um, oh, Eben my God. Young for the wine cooler. <laughs> it, 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 it really hurts. It, well, it really once hurts. a show, we have this moment, Erica, where Scott, Scott makes a point, and I have no idea what he's talking and about. And I'm only 29 years old. I don't know how <laughs> Eben doesn't get these references. What about, like, Boone's Farms? Do oh, I don't even know that one. What's well, Boone's Farms? Oh, my God. It was, like sticky alcohol like sweet sticky flavored alcohol i don't it was like a wine cooler i think right oh no that one that one escaped me a lot of that in high school that that may have been wait what was the test market in syracuse what was the beer the clear bottle zima zima yeah zima Zima. that was a test market at syracuse when i was there i I thought that was going to succeed people drank it with the jolly rancher yeah 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 i thought that would work because at least they brought it back so evan might know it they did bring that back that stuff doesn't reach Princeton. Scott, Sport, uh, Sportico needs a, we need a vodka or a, or a liquor of some sort. Is, yeah, what's uh, a sport? What would be a, well, something for the owner suite, something for our, our demo, right? What, yeah, what, would, what would they be sipping in the owner suite? That would be akin to a Barstool brand, though. That would be fun. If we could come up yeah, with that think marriage. About this. I, yeah, we'll we'll reach out to Gallo. Yourself, Erica. I want to know what would that it, be. Yeah. yeah, put your best minds on that. Yeah, what would that be? I don't know. We can think of it. We don't have to come up with it right now, but I'd real, I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what that would be. And if speaking, well, we mentioned Princeton. Let me go to Harvard. If we're doing a Harvard business case study years from now, tell me what are they saying about Dave's deal? I've heard what everybody has said about Dave's deal to get the company back the and, and sort of the financing around, around it. As a CEO, as a connoisseur of business deals, your thoughts? Uh, what words are we attaching to the deal he cut? Oh, I think you can't just look at this last deal. I think you have to look at all the deals. Like if I'm writing the Harvard business case, you're really questioning how a guy created a newspaper when newspapers were dying, turned it into a blog that basically didn't function, followed by an app that functioned probably technically worse than the blog, um, and parlayed that into a massive, massive media brand with not a lot of investment and... I, I think the what it all comes down to is it's just the relationship Dave has with his fans. It's the audience. Like it's and when you have that and we've been able to find a lot of people who have that, a lot of our early talent that Dave discovered himself, you know, Big Cat's perfect example of that has that. Really, anything is possible in business. To, to that, to that point, Erica, about the audience, I hear this a lot. I'm sure you hear it way more than I do. Uh, the, the question about as Barstool gets older, its core audience, who's been there 20 years ago when when, when it was a small shop in, in Boston, also gets older, and and their interests change. How much do you think about kind of moving content with the audience as it gets older versus? signing on new 19-year-olds yeah. who obviously were not there uh, when you guys were in Medford 15 Th- years this ago. This 30 Minutes of Barstool brought to you by Geritol. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, that's what you should bring to the owner's suite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Geritol-flavored vodka. Yeah. Don's pills exactly. and Geritol. Yeah. Exactly. It's prune-flavored. Um, what was I going to say? Um, I think there's a couple things. This year, we got recognized as the sixth biggest brand on TikTok in the world. So that right there shows you there is a massive, 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 very young audience. If you look at the average age of someone on TikTok, I don't know, it's 18 max. Um, I think a lot of our content has, 
appeals to the people who got the paper or read the blog to begin with, right? Dave certainly appeals. I think Big Cat appeals. Chicklets appeals. Um, you know, if you look at Pardon My Take as a brand, that's a brand where dads are listening and their sons are listening or their kids are listening. We also have, you know, Dave and I were talking this morning, we have this, <laughs> we have a woman here, an intern, um, goes to school in Poughkeepsie, New York called Moobs, who's on TikTok, who everyone's like, Moobs, Moobs, Moobs. And Dave and I are like, who's Moobs? <laughs> um, and she was an intern and she... Marist? Yeah, she goes to Marist. Yeah. Um, she goes to Marist. And um, one of our guys took her under his wing and, you know, taught her the ropes on TikTok. She literally sits outside my office and just make TikTok, makes TikToks all day. But that's something that, you know, a 55-year-old in Massachusetts isn't thinking about moobs and a 20-something in Montauk isn't reading the blog. So it's like, and we're okay with that. Novi Williams, have you encountered moops? Do you know this person? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not on TikTok. I, I will the go eighteen-year-old demographic is sadly too young. Yeah, that is not uh, that was not my demographic. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not aware of it. I, I, I will go. Check, I will go check it out. So, Eric, give me give me a. I know this is like thirty thousand. It's not barstool specific. Give me your uh, just sort of your overview of the media business, sports media these days. I, I mean, oh. ESPN's trying to figure yeah. stuff out. We're trying to figure stuff out. I think we've done a good, we we created a brand. I'm right there with you. You know, we started this thing, you know, middle pandemic, and we, we've we've cut through the clutter. Of course, we're much more niche than what Barstool hopes to be. Yeah. I, I I get it. But your take, just overall sports media. Um, I think the brands like yours and front office, like I I I feel you. Like I see you see more like puck is now like if you're following the scooter brawn and everybody's dumping scooter brawn as a manager like puck broke that story right super niche newsletter driven subscription oriented um so i do think there's this place right now where brands that are very focused that are editorial in nature um are people are resonating they stand for something they have something to say there's there's interest and thought put into the content, which is, and they're not designed for the feed, right? Like, I think that's the big difference for the digital companies. I think, you know, you guys would know way more than me about what's happening at NBC or what's happening at ESPN or CBS or any of those guys. Like, I, I don't hear much. I don't see much. I think the Amazon ESPN tie-up would be really interesting, obviously. Um, the New York Times just got rid of its sports staff almost entirely yeah. is going to use the athletic to, to, to I go we hear streaming yeah. streaming streaming the whole world's moving to streaming and yet Fox has for all intent and purposes really sat out the streaming revolution right and but probably happy they did so let's see how it shakes out yeah, it's just totally. amazing to me that we have all these companies these are smart folks looking at the same landscape taking diametrically yeah, different totally. approaches to where they're going yep yeah look I think nobody knows um, and I think it's really people are taking stock of what is the asset that they have, you know, in our case, it's highly prolific, socially, social first content creators and a massively loyal audience. In your case, it might be something a little bit different than that or more focused on that. It might be more of an elite audience. It might be more of a curated audience. It's a more editorial. I'll sell you on my demo any day, Erica. I love it. I'm all in. I am a demo. I I think that the... Are you a subscriber? Hold on. She said she's our demo. Are you a subscriber? (laughs) 
I am All right, now I feel better. I would have been nicer to you this whole time. I kid. <laughs> I kid, we've been great. I, I was going to say, I think that for, for almost all of these companies, whether you're, you're huge, you're medium, you're small, community building feels like the thing that, that media companies need to get into. And, and again, Eric, I think you guys have done a really good job at that. It's something we talk about a lot at Sportico is it's a different community, obviously, but, but how do we create something that is more than just, we don't want to be just the place you come to for news. We want to be a place where you can learn ideas from or bounce ideas yeah. off of or have a, something, whether it's a podcast or a live event where people feel like they are a part of the bigger thing. And again, I think that is something that Barstool has done, has done very well. And I think a lot of news organizations can, can learn from that. Yeah. I think you have to have a point of view. You guys have a point of view. I think that's, it's hard to get community when you don't have a point of view. And this is impossible. And this is just a fun thought leadership exercise. And and then we'll be done with this. But just for fun, if we were sitting around spitballing, I would love to see what is the Venn diagram of Sportico and Barstool where we say, what could we do together Ooh. where the brands made sense? I don't want to force it. I don't want to. Could we come up with a thought exercise? What is it? I don't know if it's an event. It's a, it's a podcast. I, I don't know. I'm just for fun. I'm trying to think of what would make sense. Can anybody on this podcast come up with something quickly? I, I, mean, I, I th- cannot. I, think to I, a, I will say right off the bat, I cannot. To a degree, Eric, your podcast, The Token CEO, I think yeah. is a, that's a, it's a business show at its heart. Like, I, think there, I do think that there is, there's definitely some overlap there for sure. Yeah, like I think um, I'm very interested in LinkedIn right now, for example. Like I'm, I'm playing a lot with LinkedIn. We are, we are too. And I think there's something, it's weird, like LinkedIn doesn't inspire or cater to or any, in any way incentivize content creators to do more on LinkedIn. Like imagine if they did, you know? In my mind, like they're gonna figure that out sooner rather than later and the groups and the brands like yours or mine figure that out like there's going to be value there i think elon musk finally got there when threads came out but yeah whoever incentivizes the creators that's where the creators may, may, yeah that's yeah. where i'll go fine but what give me a reason to be on your platform totally and stop upselling me yeah. oh my god if i keep getting upsells from linkedin i'm gonna shoot myself does the erica does the does the uh, uncertainty around social media in america right now whether it's what happens with tiktok or what happens with twitter slash x or is threads the new platform does all that how does that does it affect your business how much do you guys spend thinking about kind of making sure you're ahead of of what may happen if this platform suddenly becomes way less popular or heavily regulated etc yeah i think we don't spend we don't spend too much time. We're, we're certainly paying attention to it, right? Um, we don't spend a whole lot of time worrying about it because what's going to happen is, I don't know, X, you know, TikTok gets shut down or Elon, you know, nukes X, you know, it's something else will be created. Like something else will fill the void. Um I don't see social media and social media consumption going away ever. I think it will just be distributed differently. And the pie is growing so much. Um, So, no, I don't spend a whole lot. I mean, I'm interested in it personally, but for our business, the bigger bigger gating factor for us is – you know, there's an ever-changing sense of what the community guidelines are, like what's permissible today on Facebook mm-hmm. or what's permissible today on Snapchat versus what was permissible yesterday. And so we spend a lot more time looking at that, to be honest. All right, Erica Ayers, CEO of Barstool Sports. I want you to stick around, though, if only because I'd like Eben to close the show. Like I, oh. I put that onus on him. 
And it really is a bit of a, uh, a high wire act. He, he nailed it last week. The first time I think he's ever gotten it, you know, the way it should be. But now that he's thinking about it and he knows he has an audience, I want to see if he can do it. I'm going so, I'm I'm to nail this. So fa- thank Erica, and then let me see you go right into the close. But I think you're thinking about it right now. A little I got bit. it. I got it. Special right. thank you to Erica Ayers, the CEO of Barstool. You can find her on Twitter at Erica underscore. Scott, she's got an underscore oh, as well. Oh, I hate well. the underscore. I hate <laughs> the underscore. The, the underscore hater is Scott Soshnick. You can find him at Soshnick. I am Evan Novi Williams. You can huh? find me on Twitter at Novi okay. underscore Williams. Yeah. The show is produced by Keith Zanardi and Aaron Greenewald. So shout okay. out to both of them. Sports Portico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the oh, show the hump. at Sportacast, which That's is the, the right hub there. of the Sportico Media Network. Oh, solid, dude. That, that's his, yeah, that's polished right there. That's there we go. Yeah, the antithesis <laughs> okay. of your open, your clothes. There you go. Wonderful. Wonderful.